the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 3rd, 2023, in the year of our Lord. It's good to be back. I took a few days off this last week, as you know, and yesterday. And we said we'd be back on January 3rd. We're back. I missed you guys. It's good to be with you today. Thank you for joining me. Today in 1777, General George Washington's army routed the British in the Battle of Princeton, New Jersey. It was a big battle. It was a big win. Today in 1959, Alaska became the 49th state as President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a proclamation. Today in 1961, President Dwight D. Eisenhower announced the United States was formally terminating diplomatic and consular relations with Cuba. Today in 1967, Jack Ruby, the man who shot and killed Lee Harvey Oswald, the accused assassin of President John F. Kennedy, he died in a Dallas hospital. Today in 1977, Apple Computer was incorporated in Cupertino, California by Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, and Mike Mercula uh, Jr. The rest is history. Apple I think I've read somewhere, I'm not sure about this, but it just comes to me, this is just off the top of my head, but I think I've read somewhere that Apple has more cash on hand than any corporation in America, maybe in the world. They have that much money in the bank, so to speak. They've been very successful. Today in 2007, Gerald Ford was laid to rest on the grounds of his presidential museum in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Today in 2008, Illinois Senator Barack Obama, a guy most of us had never heard of, and when we heard his middle name, it was pretty frightening. Still is in some respects. But Barack Obama won the Democratic caucuses in Iowa. Mike Huckabee won the Republican caucuses today, 2008, in Illinois. Today in 2013, the new 113th Congress opened for business with House Speaker John Boehner re-elected to his post despite a mini-revolt in the Republican ranks. You know, there's some things that never change. Today, as we speak, the Republicans are formally taking control of the lower chamber of the House of Representatives of Congress as their new majority in the House of Representatives won in the November 2022 election, midterms election, will be sworn in today as we speak. I've been watching the news right up until the time I came on the air at 9 o'clock live this morning. And uh, they had not voted on the um, on the who, who is to be the Speaker of the House. But again, as it was uh, some years ago, again, there is quite a bit of contention over whether or not we should elect or they should elect uh, Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. He's the GOP leader. It looked like he would be, without a doubt, elected to Speaker of the House. However, 
the conservative caucus in the House of Representatives, the leader of the caucus is saying, no, I won't vote for him. And he's urging others, conservatives, strong conservatives, to not vote for him because he says he's not conservative enough. We've been through this before, and he said we don't want to do it again. So we'll see how that works out. And they they will be taking a vote, I, I think. They're supposed to, at least. It's on the schedule. They'll be taking a vote today to decide who is the Speaker of the House. It matters. The Speaker of the House is a pretty powerful position. Uh, Nancy Pelosi used it to certainly to her and her husband's benefit. They enriched themselves in many ways as she was Speaker of the House. But it is a powerful position. It can be used for good, for the good of the country in many respects. And I don't know Kevin McCarthy. I've watched him. Um, I don't know how much of a problem he would be for conservatives. He says things that I personally respond to, some things I don't, but we'll see how that all works out. And um, there is a band of rebels trying to stop him from becoming Speaker of the House. The problem is, if they stop him, who will be elected? I, I, I mean, there are some really conservative guys, but will they get to, and women, but will they get the vote? We don't know. We'll keep keep you posted. I'll keep an eye on that today. But I would assume sometime in the next hour or so, they'll be start to cast their ballots on who is to be Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy has made a strong, very strong uh, case for himself about becoming that. And Newt Gingrich, whom I have a great deal of res- really respect for, he has encouraged uh, his fellow uh, Republicans in the in the House of Representatives to vote for McCarthy. He said it will get worse if you don't elect McCarthy. So we'll see how that, all that turns out. I've spent the last several days, uh, the last week, in fact, spending a lot of time with family. We had a, just some great times, and I've had some communication with some of you who have contributed to us. I've sent some notes, some emails, and so on, and I've seen people and talked to people and had time on my hands that I don't normally have when we do this program live every morning. Uh, but uh, one of the things that always was reoccurring, and I think it's a good thing to say, Happy New Year. And I would say to all of you, Happy New Year. But there is that lingering question. Can 2023 be a happy new year? Franklin Graham was talking about that on Saturday. He said Saturday, the world appeared to be in a dire situation as another year dawned, but advised fellow Christians on how to move forward. I want to talk a little bit about what he said and others, what they're saying. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about what God is saying in his word. As we begin 2023, Franklin said, the world we live in seems to be imploding. A brutal war is bringing suffering and death in Ukraine with every day that passes. He listed a number of deeply concerning issues facing us today, Franklin, and certainly myself. And I think most of you are all on the same page as far as the social issues. He is a very strong and a, and a powerful voice for righteousness and for God's word and for moral policy in our country. I appreciate him. Graham says things are bad and they're going to get worse. Now, that's not what we want to hear on New Year's Day or around New Year's. That doesn't sound like the path to happiness. Happy New Year? Oh, I don't think so. Things are going to get worse, Franklin says. 
In a post on social media on Saturday, Franklin said this, and I'm quoting him. As we begin 2023, the world we live in seems to be imploding. A brutal war is bringing suffering and death in Ukraine with every day that passes. Senseless violence is rampant across the United States. Anti-God agendas that once hid in the darkness are now proudly out in the open demanding acceptance. Developed nations are being overtaken by socialism, removing God from anything and everything in the public square. And if you think things are bad, just wait. They'll get worse he says. Continuing to quote him, as followers of Jesus Christ, what will we do? We will tell a dying world that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He said, see John 14.6 in his post. He said, we urge lost souls to repent of their sins and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before it's too late. Amen. He's right. A crime wave is sweeping across the progressive President Joe Biden's America. In addition, recent surveys suggest that church and attendance and belief in God have slumped across the nation. They're all saying that. It can be concerning, very concerning. Church church attendance has dropped by roughly 45% since the start of the pandemic, the latter of which prompted some leaders to shutter businesses and churches for months on end. Some churches, perhaps wisely so, did not follow the edict of the leadership in America and in the various states. They kept having their services or they paused for a few Sundays and kind of figured it out and they proceeded. But many churches locked up for months on end. Now they are half full, if, if that. They're in debt, some. They can't pay their bills. A Gallup survey released over the summer found that belief in God sunk to an all-time low this past year, down to 81% from the high 90s just a few years ago. It also identified young individuals that left us as the most likely to not believe in God. Why is that not surprising? Happy New Year? (laughs) Victor Davis Hanson is a probably the best-known conservative historian in America, He's highly respected. He's at the um, Hoover Institution at Stanford University. He teaches also online um, for Hillsdale College. He teaches history. I would strongly recommend if you have an interest in that. I mean, you can take it for college credit. And I have no involvement in it except just that I like Hillsdale College and I really like what Victor Davis Hanson has to say. But nonetheless, you can take classes on history, American history, and other things that he teaches online. But anyway, he's one of the most trusted conservative historians in modern America. On Saturday, Hanson wrote, quote, in a famous exchange in the The Sun Also Rises, Ernest Hemingway wrote, how did you go bankrupt? Bill asked. Two ways, Mike said, gradually then suddenly, gradually and suddenly, Victor Davis Hanson applies to higher education implosion, says. Gradually imploding has now become suddenly imploding. He's talking about education, public education. Zoom courses, a declining pool of students, soaring costs, all prompt the public to question the college experience altogether, he says. And that's his life. Education, higher education. He notes that left-wing indoctrination, 
administrative bloat, obsessions with racial preferences, arcane jargon-filled research, and campus-wide intolerance of diverse thought, short-changed students have alienated the public and now have enraged alumni. Monotonous professors hector students, he says, about toxic masculinity as gender studies proliferate. If the plan was to drive males off campus, universities have succeeded beyond their wildest expectations. The number of history majors has collapsed by 50% in the last 20 years, he says. Tenured history positions have declined by one-third to half at major state universities. In the last decade, English majors across the nation's universities have fallen by a third. Hansen directly points out by name, he calls out these universities. And that's different than me calling out these universities. He's part of the system, has been his whole life, but he doesn't agree with it. He agrees with education, but not indoctrination. And he says that's what has become of American education public education, and private as well. He said it's imploding due to insane practices and misguided agendas. Many colleges and universities have committed themselves to indoctrination rather than education, he says, and now they're beginning to experience the consequences. He too says things will get worse before they get better. Happy New Year? (laughs) I don't know. But there's more. Then Hansen makes these predictions. He says, skeptical American employers to remain globally competitive will likely soon administer their own hiring tests. They already suspect that prestigious university degrees are hollow and certify very little. Traditional colleges will seize the moment and expand by sticking to uh, meritocratic uh, criteria as proof of the competency of their prized graduates. In other words, merit will come back as a virtue. It has been set aside, it's been closeted, because nobody wants anybody to win or lose. They just want everybody to cross the finish line at the same time, and they call it equity. That's nonsense. It's destructive. It's misleading. It's a lie. Private, and that's not Hanson, that was me saying that. But Hansen says private and online venues will also fill a national need to teach Western civilization and humanities courses by non-woke faculty who do not institutionalize bias. More students, he says, will continue to seek vocational training alternatives. Some will get their degree online for a fraction of the cost. Alumni will either curb giving, put further restrictions on their gifting, or disconnect. He says, eventually, even elite schools will lose their current veneer of prestige. Their costly cattle brands will be synonymous with equality of result. Overpriced indoctrination echo chambers, where therapy replaced singular rigor, and their tarnished degrees become irrelevant. This collapse doesn't begin in the higher education, though. That's where he has spent his life. It begins with your five-year-old child or grandchild. Another instruction and another institution came out just this last week. The CDC is in alliance with the destructive LGBTQ activists in public education. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised, but just when you think you've heard it all, now you learn you haven't. CDC, Fauci's CDC, tells you when to get shots and when not to get shots and when to stay home and 
cancel your life and all of this stuff. They're all in. They're in the tank with LGBTQ activists in public education. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, we learned last week, has been actively involved in the classrooms with this self-assessment so-called program since October of 2020. And they've got a good full head of steam now, three years later, two and a half years later. This was confirmed by a tweet last Tuesday from the center. School administrators, our LGBTQ inclusivity self-assessment tool can help you quickly gauge inclusivity at your school. See your score today and learn ways to increase inclusivity. Blah, blah, blah. That's your CDC. They're looking out for you. They're taking care of you. They are the doctor for the U.S. and on and on. According to a handbook put out by the center, the tools are a way to quickly assess the level of LGBTQ inclusivity across the different components of the school environment and staff practices. They are teaching the teachers, and it's not vague. It's very direct. The handbook then features a number of questions for teachers to help measure how inclusive their classrooms actually are. All of a sudden, they're going by the merit standard now, not the equity standard. Teachers can use these measurements. to you, They can use the answers to rank their classroom into three groups so they can do better. Better means more propaganda from the LGBTQ community. The first category, which is minimally inclusive, bids the teachers to commit to change. The second, moderately inclusive ranking, ranks the teacher's classroom as beginning to break through. The highest inclusivity score labels the classroom teacher is an awesome ally. So now they have teachers not working to educate children, but they're working to gain the approval of the CDC so, and the indoctrination of the child so that they can be a successful teacher and be recognized by their peers as progressive, enlightened, etc. Handbook also recommends, this is coming out from the CDC, Handbook also recommends certain resources for teachers based on how they scored on the assessment questions. The resources include Harvard University's Implicit Bias Test and Harvard's um, Gender Unicorn. Public education, along with other institutions, is miserably failing in America. No wonder Franklin would say it's going to get worse before he gets better. No wonder Victor Davis Hanson, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, he's a wise man, he's very conservative, and he's extremely well-versed on history. But he too says it's going to get worse before he gets better. Can 2023 really be a happy new year? And I, I ask myself, I keep saying to people I love, happy new year. Do I really mean that? I do. I really do. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 11, what can the righteous do when the foundations are destroyed? And these are the foundations of our nation. These are the foundation of our lives, our communities. This is where it begins. We send our kids off to school to get educated. And this is what we get? Boy, I'll tell you. 
Psalm 11 <laughs> confirms that fleeing to the hills in fear is not the right response, but sometimes you just feel like you want to flee to the hills. Go find a cave and hide. Happy New Year? I don't think so. Find me a cave where I can get away from all this nonsense. But the Bible says fleeing to the hills in fear is not the right response, even though the enemies, the bows are bent and the arrows are pointed. That's why Franklin is saying what he's saying. That's why Victor Davis Hanson is saying that and others of note. What is what is the right response to 2023? I think first we must do what Franklin Graham recommended, go into all the world and preach the gospel to, of Jesus Christ to everyone, beginning with those close to you. Transformed hearts will transform the culture. Oh, it isn't the culture that we're trying to save, it's the individual. If the individual hears the message of, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can tell you I've seen it thousands of times over my lifetime in the ministry, as a minister, as a pastor, in evangelism, in third world countries and the biggest cities and most sophisticated cities of the world. I've seen it everywhere. When people commit their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, everything changes. Not the culture around them, but everything changes from the inside out. God makes us new again. And it's on that basis, if we begin to focus first and foremost on the Great Commission to share the gospel with people, the culture will be, it'll follow. It will be changed. It will be transformed. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the power of God. And the power of God transforms the person whether they're red or yellow, black or white, wherever on this globe they live. I have personally seen that. Their lives are changed. The gospel is the same, regardless of the language, regardless of the color of the skin, regardless of the level of so-called education, regardless of all of these factors. When the gospel is presented and is accepted, when we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is indeed the only begotten Son of God. And he came to this world and was born in a manger and died on a cross for our sins. When we accept that, our lives are transformed. And I tell you, the culture is transformed as well. I could tell you stories of how revival, Kenya is one of them. I mean, revival has echoed and rippled across that country over the last several decades now. I spent a lot of time out there in the past. And boy, today, I mean, they're not. it's not a perfect country, I can tell you, but they got a lot of problems, but all, all nations do. But boy, they are, they are strongly Christian. And it is shaping a culture there that is very productive and a very um, emerging um, culture and, and even an economic culture in Africa. Secondly, we do everything possible to help people. Be the salt and the light that Jesus told us to be. Get involved in local and state, and if there's an opportunity, federal service. Run for election, volunteer for service, show up at school board meetings, city council meetings. And I know some of you listening to this program, you do that already. I would encourage all of you to think about that. Look for opportunities to do that. Show up at school board meetings and city council meetings. 
Say your piece. Don't get angry and yell and throw things, but speak to the issues. Be informed. Support initiatives and policies that support your biblical worldview. Be informed. Be active. Be bold. And thirdly, thirdly, and this, I think, is the thing that puts the exclamation point on a happy new year. Having done all, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, having done all, stand firm in the faith. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we see out there. That's why things are going to get better before get worse before they get better. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And again, I say, having done all, to stand, to stand. I don't know if you grew up in Sunday school or going to church as a kid, but remember that old hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, (laughs) you soldiers of the cross. It'd be wonderful if Christians were undercover agents for God's kingdom, but unfortunately many are just hiding in the shadows because they're afraid to become involved. For too long the church has enjoyed the pleasures of a culture that is thriving. Today our culture has changed. It's different. But it can be happy. It can be good. It can be meaningful. It can be joyful. For many of us who have a religious background, we remember that song. It was written by George Duffield, Jr. in 1858. The seed for the powerful song was planted from the dying message of a young pastor in Philadelphia named Dudley Ting. Dudley and Duffield were good friends. They were members of a group of ministers who preached revival meetings at the local YMCA. It's interesting to note that Ting had recently been removed from his church for taking a strong and aggressive stand against slavery. Didn't want their pastor involved in politics. During his message... He gave to 5,000 people, more than 1,000, they say, that were there, came forward to profess faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. During his message, he said, I would rather that my arm be amputated than I should fail to deliver God's truth. Ironically, within weeks, his arm got caught in a piece of machinery and it tore his arm from his body. He bled so profusely, days later, he would die. People were gathered, people that loved him were gathered by his bedside. His last plea was for all who claimed to love God to always stand up for Jesus. Soon after, he quietly passed away. Duffield, his friend and fellow minister, was so touched by all of this, and these guys were brothers. He went out, uh, the this service was on April 25th, 1858, Duffield preached about the struggles, the constant resistance from the enemy of our soul. Then he went out and he began to share with the people there the lines of stand up, stand up for Jesus. The challenge of standing up for Christ is explained in the frontline military metaphors that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6. Happy New Year. 
Oh, yes. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss from victory unto victory. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.